Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. Decisions to close accounts are not taken lightly. We've got that story, plus the digital likeness of Bruce Willis has joined the actor strike in New Mexico. But first, they're announcing them aliens in congressional hearings. Sinead O'Connor's died suddenly. Kevin Spacey won his latest rape trial on his birthday. Mitch McConnell maybe had a stroke live on TV. And the Federal Reserve has jacked up interest rates to the highest levels not seen since those heady days of post-9-11. And all the while, James, the Rockefeller plan for most favored nation seems to move forward. Xi Jinping meets Henry Kissinger. It's like the worst Abbott and Costello movie ever. Chinese President Xi Jinping met with former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger at the state guest house in Beijing last Thursday. She noted that Dr. Kissinger had recently celebrated his 100th birthday and has paid more than 100 visits to China over the years. These two 100s give this visit special significance. They love their numerology, but don't, don't, don't try that sorcery as a plebe. She said, like Reagan and the, and the you know astrologers and all that stuff, she said that 52 years ago, when China and the United States were at a crucial inflection point, Mao, Nixon, and Dr. Kissinger, with their extraordinary strategic vision, made the right decision for China-U.S. cooperation and launched the process of normalizing the China-U.S. relationship. The decision delivered benefits to the two countries and changed the world. She emphasized that the world now is undergoing momentous transformations unseen in a century, and the international landscape is going through major shifts. Quote, China and the United States have once again come to a crossroads which requires another decision by the two sides about where to go from here, end quote. Kissinger stressed that the U.S.-China relationship is essential to peace and prosperity of the two countries and the wider world. Kissinger said, under the current circumstances, it is imperative to maintain the principles established by the Shanghai communique, appreciate to the utmost importance China attaches to the one China principle, and move the relationship in a positive direction. That is extraordinary strategic vision. Hey, James? It's extraordinary something. And if you want uh, the image of 3D chess... This is the perfect image of it. Um, Kissinger sitting there with uh, Zhou Enlai in uh, 1971 on his secret trip preceding Nixon's trip in 72. And then it cut to flash forward to sitting there next to Xi Jinping in 2023. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. And this is the thing that I think people have the hard time wrapping their heads around because 3D chess is a complicated game. Um, it does not mean that there is not actual rivalry and national nation-state-driven um, ideologues within the different nations on the 3D chessboard who are acting in what they believe in their national interest and blah, 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 with real conflict going on between them. But are they the ones making the decisions? Who are the ones really making the decisions? And what's really going on behind the scenes? So... Um, I guess there's a few different ways we can approach this, one of which is to note, as uh, CNN does at the bottom of their article on this, um, the the difference between the um, Anthony Blinken uh, uh, U.S. government diplomacy that was taking place with Xi last month versus the Kissinger meeting. They say during his meeting with Blinken in June, 
She was uh, positioned at the head of a table where the rest of the two delegations, including Blinken, sat facing each other on either side. On Thursday, she and Kissinger were seated on the same level, across a small tea table in a much more cordial setting. The two meetings are very different, Wu said, the person they're quoting in this article. The Chinese are very skilled in shaping the narrative and optics. So there's a sense of there's some sort of, you know, formal meeting about geopolitics, and then there's the meeting of friends across a tea table. And uh, who's making the real wheeling and dealing? Well, that's a question that came up explicitly in one of the articles I was reading by one of these so-called independent alternative people who suspiciously never have anything bad to say about China or Russia, who was uh, rhetorically asking, you know, what was Kissinger's secret trip to China all about? And then the entire article studiously avoids that question and concentrates on some of the uh, bellicose warmongering amongst the U.S. neocon neolib factions against China. Yeah, of course, there is warmongering and that kind of talk. And there are also secret negotiations taking place behind the scenes with the deep state. Oh, and who else visited uh, she in in Beijing earlier this year, Bill Gates, right? Bill Gates and Xi Jinping had a nice cozy one-on-one a few months ago. So that's the type of negotiations that are going on outside of the realm of the, the bellicose warmongering spectacle diplomacy that we see out front. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just reminding the audience for the millionth time, it's a big club, you ain't in it, and none of these teams are really on your side in this big big game of geopolitical chess. If you want more on that, I'd direct your attention to not only my How to Play 3D Chess article from a year or two ago, um, but also I just wrote a couple of articles on on the 2D geopolitical chessboard um, about the, the pawns in the game, essentially, and how they are used. So I'll direct people's attention to those articles. But long story short, it's a there are deep, deep state ties between the U.S. and China. And what we are seeing is the 21st century equivalent of what Antony Sutton was writing about in the 20th century with the Soviet boogeyman. James, I guess <laughs> Mao is dead. So, you know, Bill Gates, we, we kind of swap in Bill Gates in place of Chairman Mao. That works out pretty well. Uh, I, actually, I just remembered I didn't initially have it in the notes. A follow-up update from last week's Neural Next Week episode Putin ain't going to that BRICS meeting next month, <laughs> James, in Johannesburg. They've announced he's like, yeah, he's not going to go. Because, again, as I joked last week, he worries he would be arrested like Kissinger would if he went to any number of countries around the world. That's how we get going on New World Next Week, episode four, no, 524. So, James, since they're not very good at the debunk, not going to solve the platforms, can't actually engage in necessarily a war of truth and facts, they're going to go for the D-Bank instead. UK watchdog steps into row over debanking of Nigel Farage. Britain's financial watchdog has stepped into the row, that is Brit speak for the fight, over the closure of former Brexit party leader Nigel Farage's bank accounts after Farage claimed that NatWest's private bank, Coots, is it pronounced Coots? C-O-U-T-T-S. Uh, Coots is pretty funny here, at least in the States. It's Counts. the Alberta border crossing is called Coots, so I'm going to say Coots. I like saying Coots. Farage claimed NatWest private bank Coots had sought to cut him off on political grounds. Nigel Farage said he obtained a 40-page document from Coots after filing a subject access request with the bank to learn more about its rationale 
for proposing to shut down the accounts. NatWest's treatment of Farage drew criticism from several government ministers, while Prime Minister Rishi Sunak said the government was tightening rules around account closures. The Financial Conduct Authority is talking to NatWest about the handling of Farage's accounts. The regulator's CEO told the lawmakers, adding existing rules made clear that banks should not discriminate on the basis of political views. A Coots spokesperson told Reuters that its ability to respond to Farage's latest claims were restricted by obligations to protect client confidentiality. Again, you gotta love the selectively enforced rules. Decisions to close accounts are not taken lightly and take into account a number of factors, including commercial viability, how much money can we make off of them, reputational considerations, and legal and regulatory requirements, the spokesperson said. British banks are in the spotlight as the UK government has begun looking into concerns some have allegedly blacklisted certain customers over their politics. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak who is, I believe, at the lowest polling levels since his run at Prime Minister, told Parliament that it wouldn't be right for banks to deny services to those exercising the right to lawful free speech. Under planned reforms, banks will have to give customers three months' notice of account closure. See, they'll give you a warning. What's, what's the problem? What are you complaining about? Nigel Farage may just be the tip of the debanking iceberg. That is the long an in-depth article from capx.co where they note the work is increasingly automated. James, all, all the AI coming for everybody's jobs. And technology giants, places called Refinitiv, have turned over $6 billion annually supporting these needs. It seems like basically they've automated the tabulation of your social credit scores. And all the while, who, who are the real criminals? Last week, the U.S. Federal Reserve fined Deutsche Bank 186 mil over its insufficient anti-money laundering checks, including its monitoring systems. Again, they'll launder money for drug cartels and arms dealers and Epstein pedos, but you said on Friendster that Sandy Hook is sketchy? Oh, I'm sorry, you, you've been debanked. Meanwhile, James, this is, this is part of a larger thing all going on. Bank of America recently pulled a Wells Fargo. B of A hit with $250 million in fines and refunds for double-dipping fees and fake accounts, inventing fake accounts to take money from people that are already customers. We will include links to Refinitiv, one of those firms that helps banks rank and debank you. But it's not just Farage or Alex Jones, or Kanye West. Chase Bank shuts accounts of natural health advocate Dr. Joseph Mercola refuses to say why. In a recent wave of unexpected closures, J.P. Morgan Chase has terminated a number of bank accounts associated with Florida-based health retailer Mercola Market, along with the personal accounts of its employees and their families. The firm's owner, Dr. Joseph Mercola, is known for his criticism of COVID-19 vaccines and promotion of natural health. ReclaimTheNet.org asked the question, James, did their social media posts lead to their bank account being shut down? Uh, I'm going to take a probably yeah. on that one. Huh? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, this is uh, disturbing on so many levels. Um, one of which is, okay, yes, banks have their reputational risk section and they're always trying to studiously manage that. And, oh, we can't bank this person because they're in some shady areas, just like they did with Epstein, right? Oh, wait. No, of course not. And people who think that that's just some sort of small or inconsequential part of the story have not been following the work of uh, Pam and Russ Martins on Wall Street on Parade. They've been doing excellent work, article after article after article, 
on J.P. Morgan's banking links to Epstein and how there were the internal executives and compliance officers going, hey, we shouldn't be banking this guy. This is a big reputational risk. But oh, lo and behold, you've got people sitting on corporate boards with Epstein um, in J.P. Morgan who decide to, no, I think we're going to keep his account and make sure he can withdraw his cash at any time so that he can traffic young children for the pleasure of the uh, the elitists. Yeah, great stuff. So yeah, this is not about protecting reputational risk or anything of the sort, but that is how they're going to cloak it. And that's another disturbing aspect of this is that to me, what this is, is the the turning up of the, the water on the boiling frog. It's, it's, we're in that spot where people are starting to notice, hey, I think this water's getting warmer. What's going on? And that is part of this. It's entering into the dialectic where now, it's the negotiation. Oh, yeah, it's happening. And yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, they got it. You know, the banks should be protecting their rep. So how much should we do and what should we? Oh, I know. We need to get a, the government involved so they can pass a law that you have to have three months notice before they take away all your bank accounts and the bank accounts of your employees and the bank accounts of your employees' families. Absolute nonsense. No, this is one of those things where we do not negotiate. We do not enter into any kind of negotiation on this. And oh, well, as long as they give you three months warning, that'll be okay. No, this is, this is the cliff that we are diving over right now. And uh, first they came for the, the Farages. I mean, even that is just uh, horrible and ridiculous. But I guess what this ultimately leads to, I, I do not need to explain this to our regular audience, but just to put it out on the table, what this is leading to is the complete um, universe, the ecosystem of different aspects uh, of the propaganda machine that will be able to not just debank you, although that's bad enough, but really deperson you in this coming digital age in which we're already 90% of the way there. And as you alluded to earlier, it starts with the debunk. First, you get the fact checkers going, well, actually, James Corbett said this, uh, you know, 17 years ago. And uh, actually, as it turns out, we've debunked that. How? Well, don't ask details. We've debunked it. So then this person, person X, James Corbett or whoever, oh, he's he's been debunked. He's been fact checked. He's spreading misinformation. And then, of course, then it filters out into the, uh, the uh, uh, news guard and all of these filters and different things that are now starting to be installed in your browsers and your ISPs will start taking these blacklists and, oh, corporatereport.com, that's a no-no site. And then once the bank picks up on this and they go, hey, we have this banking customer who has all this weirdness going on in the debunk fact-checking world, uh-oh, this is how it is all going to function. And so whenever you step outside the line and you post anything on your ex thread or whatever, whatever the kids are using for social media these days, that's out of line, you have to, you'll be thinking in the back of your head, "Uh uh-oh, will this get me debanked, depersoned? Will I be able to go online at all in the future if I post this? I better not post it. And the self-censorship starts. Um, this is, this is where we're heading. And I don't think people have to use much of an imagination to see where it's going. So to me, this is one of those lines in the sand thing. Uh, uh, Like I said, with the, the freedom convoy debanking hundreds of people for engaging in peaceful protest, they just stepped across. They took a flying leap across this bright red line in the sand. We cannot allow this to stand. This is insanity. And anyone, anyone who will bank with any sort of bank that has shown that they will do this to their customers is 
is part of the problem. By, by their participation in that bank, they are contributing to the problem. Cannabis can't work with big banks here in the States, even though marijuana is de facto legal in most of the country now. The big banks can't do it because Daddy Fed says, oh, no, that's, that's a reputational risk. That's a big problem. James, it's like we're all basically going to be casualties in the learn-to-code wars. And as you were already just referring to, ah, they came for the Nigel Farages. I didn't care. They're crazy conspiracy theorists. We're going to be casualties of the learn-to-code wars. And what I mean by that is, <laughs> I don't care if Hollywood goes on strike because they laughed at me for being a dirty coal miner that should learn to code. Snowpiercer cast unknowingly scanned for AI use, Star confirms, grabbing this from nerdbot.com. One of the many legitimate reasons SAG-AFTRA is striking, that's the Screen Actors Guild, that's the Hollywood strike, is due to the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, AMPTP, demanding actors allow productions to do full body scans of performers. It's not just the scans, it's the fact that the actors would only be paid a day's wages to be scanned. Those results would then be the property of the production for the rest of eternity, with the actor never receiving compensation for the use of their likeness. SAG president and co-star of This Is Spinal Tap, because we are in far satirical realms here, James. Fran Drescher addressed the public in a pretty big, rousing press conference announcing the strike. This has been two weeks ago. They touched on the scanning proposal from AMPTP, which was news to many. It was news to me. Like I said, that was about two weeks ago exactly. Now, Tony Award winner and Grammy nominee Lena Hall, who stars in TNT's TV show Snowpiercer. Now, I have actually joked about this bit of cli-fi climate fiction for years. It's the one where in the future where geoengineering, oops, doesn't work and goes wrong and the Earth becomes a Hoth-like ice planet and then the survivors ride around on a train forever and ever for some reason spoiler (laughs) lena hall who stars in tnt snowpiercer has confirmed she and other series regulars did full body scan and full range of emotion capture for season four without being told the real reason why This is the first confirmation we've gotten so far that the practice was already going into effect. She also clarifies in the comments that they told us it was for special effects, but were very vague. Using computer-generated versions of celebrities is far from a new debate. There's even an episode of Black Mirror of countless sci-fi and horror properties revolving around the subject. While this tech may be great for a situation like allowing the late Carrie Fisher to posthumously continue her role as Princess Leia or to de-age actors like they just did with great-grandpa Indiana Jones. These scans, applications, can become sinister, especially in cases like Lena Hall where consent was not given for perpetual use, as, as far as we know. The Flash movie recently used a generated version of the late Christopher Reeves' Superman. Because Reeve passed away in 2004, he he probably didn't consent to this. To demand all performers give up their likeness with seemingly no to little stipulations about how it can be used is highly unethical, but adding so that they're being asked to do it under the threat of not being hired makes it worse. It's kind of like your livelihood being threatened if you, you know, you didn't get the MAGA jab. Interestingly enough, James, SAG-AFTRA president Fran Drescher says she was willing to strike in 2021 over COVID-vax mandates, but she didn't. 
and they got mandated. So she says all this again now when it costs nothing to be a patriot. First they came for the Nigel Farages, I didn't say anything. What? Then they came for the coal miners and I didn't say anything. What? Because I was paid to push an agenda that, oops, came back to bite me in the ass. And it's come to New Mexico today. SAG after picketing event comes to New Mexico. Dozens hit the picket lines Wednesday morning outside Albuquerque Studios, bringing nationwide protests to New Mexico. Albuquerque Studios is the place Netflix bought a few years ago. They make some of your favorite drug war fantasies and ultra-violent satanic 80s kids shows there. In the picket for the SAG after strike, members of the union, background actors, and supporters hosted signs in solidarity for better pay, higher residuals, and uh, protection against the use of AI to replace performers. Actor James Vanderbeek of Dawson's Creek fame, a guy who knows a thing or two about getting residuals from a show you did decades ago, made a video where he said, AI is the monumental reason for this strike. So I actually asked a buddy in the biz for his thoughts. Quote, they knew it was happening for sure. And I believe this is a thing that's been happening for a while. Full body scans. But everyone will be under the impression it's always for special effects, posters, and lunchboxes. This thing is the idea that they can use you into perpetuity if they want to sell the show later. They don't have to call you. End quote. And at some point, really, James, won't they, they won't even need the body scans. They can just print new celebrities out of thin air like the Federal Reserve. And I know you recall this story from last year. I think you and I were both pretty fascinated by it. Bruce Willis denies selling his digital likeness to deep fake company after his dementia aphasia diagnosis. He basically announced he was going to retire. A firm basically said he sold his digital twin to us. And all of that, even James, was before the fake Drake controversy. This is pretty interesting media monarchy stuff, man. It sure is. And we were talking before we started recording here about, are these guys lawyers just incompetent boobs in all of this and just couldn't figure out what was happening? But look, I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. I've never seen one of these contracts. I don't know how they work. But I do know that for many decades, there has been the, in the clauses of these actors, the the likeness clause, that we get your likeness to be used in promotional materials and put in the action figures and everything. And I remember... Um, at some Lifetime Achievement Award or, or other for George Lucas, uh, Carrie Fisher was giving uh, one of the, the speeches, and she was she made some sort of joke about um, she when she looks in the mirror, she sees a face that George Lucas owns or something like that, and um, and so this is I mean this is known this has been around for a while. I'm assuming that the studios are just saying yeah we own your likeness, including the ability to replicate you in some sort of you know. Uh, if deep fake format, and I I assume that's where this is this is being pushed back. No, we didn't agree to that. We're agreeing to you know you can put our f- f- a picture on a movie poster or something like that. Anyway, it, it's interesting. Um, I, I think if they can, they will. And at the point at which, if they really push this and they get it in their contract so that you can never hire another actor again unless you get their explicit on the record contractual consent to use their their deep fake likeness for in perpetuity um at, at some point the studios will just go well we are going to create completely fictional non non people we're not going to use real actors at all um that will happen at the point at which they can make that happen right and as you say yeah okay holly weird boo hoo but Let's use our imagination here, people. This type of technology may be coming to replace you in pretty much whatever industry 
that you are in, and whatever it is that you're doing. But don't worry, there's a solution for that. UBI! Don't worry, as long as you're a good citizen, you take whatever the, the government tells you to take and put it in your body, and you, you say everything they tell you to say, then you can get your, your monthly stipend and live in your digital pod watching the fake actors that they've deep-faked into existence, right? Yay! Uh, but, uh-oh, we saw that you did it. You, you went to CorbettReport.com last month. You were listening to Morning Monarchy? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. No rations for you this month. <sighs> oh, boy. New World Next Week sigh, huh? That's even if they have the ability to, to reach those websites at that point. Or will be, be which maybe maybe that's the best thing, will be on cassette tapes, will be on physical media, will be contraband that secretly gets passed around. Like all the best underground revolutions, I suppose, James. It's also not not just Kevin Spacey and Stanley Kubrick's birthday today. It's a real it's a real powerful day in the sort of the, the esoteric. It's also Aldous Huxley's birthday, so I did find myself today on my Media Monarchy stream playing a clip of him saying, you know, my brave new world is way more likely than 1984 because we'll get people to love their servitude. And you'll get some soma, you'll get maybe some free sex all the time, as is talked about in Brave New World. It does seem like the more likely avenue, and maybe that's the carrot to 1984's stick. James, I've already been replaced by AI DJs in Portland. I don't know if we've talked about that story. There's a film, I don't know the year off the top of my head. I haven't actually seen it, but it stars Al Pacino. And it's about a digitally created actress called Simone. But it looks like it's got numerals in it that it looks like Sim 1, Simulation 1. And what the other thing we were talking about before we started to roll. Did all the bands and artists immediately go on strike when the fake Drake songs started to hit and say, we're not going to play another note until you clarify on the record that you're not going to let all this AI stuff destroy us? I don't, I don't think they did that. And James, I, I see Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson's likeness every month on the Marvel Star Wars comic books. It's, again, it's a really interesting thing where dudes that I know are still alive mixed in with people they told me have passed away. And at some point, yeah, maybe it all just comes down to people won't know the difference if you've got deer antler filters on or not. That is New World Next Week, episode 524. For the time being, and as long as we're able to do it, newworldnextweek.com supports our work with DVDs, with shirts, with hats, with the aforementioned USBs physical media also p.o box cash is a great way around debanking as long as again hoover isn't going through all of our mail with the fbi and again i want to remind you i play the exclusive audio of these new world next week episodes on my stream thursday mornings before they are published anywhere else mediamonarchy.com slash listen indeed james that is new world next week episode 524 buddy awesome looking forward to doing it again thanks for the stories All right, man. Take care.